Welcome to Latinx Audio Lit Mag. I'm your host, Teresa Douglas. In this week's episode, we're getting a behind-the-scenes peek at It's Just Dancing by Camila Santos. Camila Santos is a Brazilian writer living in New York since 2004. She was named a Center for Fiction Emerging Writer Fellow in 2020. Her work has appeared or is upcoming in Newtown Literary, Columbia Journal, Minola Review, and The New York Times. Her work in Portuguese can be found in Rido Manifesto and is forthcoming in Colotonia de Poesia, Mulia y dos Letras, Estados Unidos. She is currently working on her first novel and a collection of short stories. Welcome, Camila. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Teresa. I'm so excited about this podcast. I'm really excited for you to be here. And as uh, one Latinx person to another, we have to start with the most, most important question, hard-hitting question in this entire podcast. And that is, what is your favorite comfort food? Oh, (laughs) Um, I have so many. Um, I love this Brazilian dessert called Brigadeiro. It's Mm. basically... um, it's like a chocolate dulce de leche. I think that's the closest that I can describe it. It's basically condensed milk, cocoa powder, butter, and then you stir it in the stove top. Um, and it's the first thing every Brazilian learns how to cook, I think. Like every eight-year-old child knows how to make this thing. Well, you had me a chocolate and dulce de leche. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> Uh, well, I, I didn't realize I was going to make people hungry on this podcast, but but there you go. It it's it's important. I we we talk about sharing stories. Often we share them when we share food, and so it's it's nice to let the, our listeners hear. If we were sitting at your kitchen table and you needed to serve us some comfort food, that's what you would serve us. Yes, Thank definitely. You. <laughs> we should we should probably actually talk about writing because that's why I I asked you here. Food is very important though. Um, so let, before we get into your piece and, and some of the reasons I loved it and asking you some questions about it, let's give the listeners just a little bit about you. Um, how, how long have you been writing? Um, since my 20s, I, mm-hmm. I wrote some really horrible love poems as a teenager. <laughs> so I'm not, Everybody as, does that. Exactly. <laughs> Not sure if that counts. Um, I, I do wish I had them though, but they they're lost. <laughs> yeah. So since since my twenties, that's that's fun. And so is is fiction your first love? Do you write other things? Uh, you sent us fiction, but uh, do do you dabble in other other forms? Yeah, I mean, fiction is my first and and true love. Um, and I have written some other things. I've written some book reviews and personal essays. Um, most recently, this is very exciting for me. I have gone back to poetry, uh, but nice. in Portuguese. Yeah. So. Um, oh wow. Yeah. So I'm writing, starting to write in Portuguese again, and and it came out as poetry. So it's really great. Yeah. Is is Portuguese a a first language for you? Also. Yes. Mm-hmm. It yeah, is. Yeah, I've I ask because I, I had this ambition because I came to Spanish fluency more as an adult, and I had this idea that I would write in Spanish, and that hasn't happened as well yet. 
because it's not my it's not my first it's not one of my first languages. So I, I was I'm impressed by anybody who can write in a language that is not their own because I fail so miserably at doing that. Although maybe if I try 13 year old love poems, I, I might be okay. <laughs> In or Spanish. you can you can you can use <laughs> Spanish in your in your writing in English as well, right? Yeah, I mean that I, that's easier for me because I I grew up around it. So, but but uh, I just I love I love the sound of of reading other people's work when they have that that fluent brain in in more than one language. Well, I'm gonna get over my jealousy right now, <laughs> and we will. We will talk a little bit about your piece because it's just dancing. I will tell our listeners, I love that the, the title is actually part of the conversation. So we're, we're dropped in the middle of, of the protagonist who's trying to persuade her, her boyfriend, her lover, that he, he needs to tell this little white lie for her just for the time that her family is there. And you're dropped in the middle of this and... And one of the things I loved about this story was that you get so much of the wider world in it, even though it's this this intimate conversation with these two people. You you can see that that there's the protagonist who's trying to protect her family from themselves and their assumptions that what she's doing is is this terrible thing that that she's doing. But there's also the idea that she wants to present. Her own life and her independence in this in this really good light. So how did how did you come up with this story? What was the did it just show up in your brain one day? Did you sit down and plan it out? How did how did that begin? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, thank you. Um, I'm I'm really glad that you enjoyed the story. Um, the idea that sparked it it was actually a, a lived experience. Um, about 10 years ago, I was out with some friends uh, and we decided to go out dancing and we ended up in one of these um, dollar dance halls. But this was down in the south in the Florida, mm-hmm. Alabama border. And it took me a, a while to realize that the dances were paid because we were all like in our we were dancing in our own little group. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what really struck me was that it it was just like any other club or you know place like dance hall I don't know how to call it um but when I when I did realize like what was going on I did realize that there were a lot more men than women there um and then I went to the bathroom and I started chatting with some of the women who who worked at the club the the dancers um and and then they just told me a little bit about what it was like um, to work there. Um, they were coming from Atlanta uh, in a van and that the club would provide. And hmm. then they would spend the weekend there. Um, and then they'd go back home with like $2,000 uh, oh, for wow. dancing the entire weekend. Yeah. So they, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, whoa, okay, maybe I should work here. Like, yeah. How do um, we get in on this? Yeah, exactly. I was like, wow. And they, you know, I, I couldn't, they couldn't really talk for a long time because like, if they're talking to me, they're not dancing. Right. Yeah. Um, so it, it was a, a pretty brief conversation, but, um, but I just never really forgot it. And then, Fast forward a few more years, I came across this article um, about 
dollar dance clubs in New York City, uh, they're also called um, bailarina bars. Mm-hmm. And um, there are a lot of them in, in the neighborhood, in the borough that I live in, in, in New York. I live in Queens. Um, and so when I was reading the article, I was like, oh, I've, I think I've been to a place like this Um And then I also happened to be working on a project in which I was writing um, monologues that were based on interviews with Brazilian women living in Queens. And one of these women that I was interviewing, she kept coming back to the theme of dancing, like dancing was really important to her. Um, And she also, in addition to talking a lot about dancing, she also had this really deep sense of obligation to her family back in Brazil. Mm-hmm. Um, so what sparked it was, I just remember imagining like, what if, because I had just read the article, you know, so that, that memory of having been to, to that, um, to that dollar dance club was very fresh, um, for me. So I remember imagining like, what if this woman that I'm talking to, like, what if she worked for one of these, one of these places and was very ashamed about it and had a very conservative family um, with these preconceived ideas of what's proper and what's not proper and like how far would she go to preserve this image of herself to them. So all of that was the initial spark. And then once I started writing it, it kind of came to me pretty quickly, which is not something that happens very often Mm -hmm. with my writing. Um, And then I, I think I, I wrote maybe two drafts and, and showed it to a friend who's a playwright and she helped me clean it up a bit. And, and that was it. Yeah. And it's, it's a lovely story because I, I had heard of the, the dollar dance type things, but mostly because of, of old music where someone said they paid for every dance or whatever. And, and I had no idea that that still happened at all. I mean, it, and, yeah, it's actually something that um, in the beginning of last century, they were called taxi dancers. Um, and here in New huh. York, there were these these big halls with with taxi dancers. And um, they were immigrant women, too, who were of Eastern European descent. Um, and then, uh, I mean, I didn't do a lot of research into this, but I, I do know that then it, it just kind of stopped and then it resurfaced in the Latin community um, and the Latin. That's fascinating. Community. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love that you're talking about something that not too many people, I mean, maybe everybody but me knows this. I shouldn't be arrogant. So if the rest of you knew about this, you are very more educated than I am. You're, you're amazing. But for me <laughs> and anybody else, it's nice to have heard a little bit more about about something that sounds inherently female and perhaps also more people who are immigrants. And so therefore maybe isn't talked about a ton. Mm -hmm. It's, it's just a a lived experience doing something just to earn some money. Yeah. I mean, we all, we all have to eat. Yes. And, and it's just, and you worked in a lot of, of nice detail about the idea of what you have to deal with sometimes. These folks that might get drunk or mm-hmm. do a little bit more than dance. And and you leave it on such a lovely sort of heart-squeezing moment where she wants to get her cosmetology degree and have a salon. So she has plans and ambitions. It isn't just dancing. It isn't just dancing. It's, it's a hope and, and a dream. It's a path to something else. So it's, it's lovely. 
And Thank you. I, I guess the question I have then, just hearing especially with the context and, and the research that you did, is there a, a specific impression that you want the reader to come away with or, or some knowledge you want them to have after they listen to you read the piece? Uh, yeah, I'm really, um, I'm really interested in, in writing about these like in-between spaces that characters mm-hmm. might occupy. So with this particular piece um, and with this particular character, it's in her job. Um, so she's dancing for money, but she's not, you know, but it's not stripping. Mm-hmm. Um, she's giving this illusion that she uh, illusion that she's like available, but she's not too available because in fact, she's not available at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that um, a lot of my characters, they, they find themselves in, in between, you know, these spaces. So in between their native Portuguese and their newly acquired English language, they're longing to go to Brazil but they can't or they won't go back. Mm-hmm. Um, and for this particular character, um, she's still a little stuck in fulfilling her family's expectations, even though she also has like, a very strong vision for herself, for her future self, right? She, she it ends with that vision. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what I'd like people to think about when they hear the piece. It's the tension between her own vision for herself, what she thinks are her family's expectations, and how she's nav- navigating that. And how she hasn't quite, she has that that feeling of where she wants to go, but she hasn't quite given up on those expectations either. Not exactly. only does she know what they are, she, she values them to some extent. Because she's yeah. feeling that tension. It's, it's just a, a, a beautifully a beautifully played out piece for that. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I, I do know that you, you have some things that have been out and are forthcoming. If folks want to just keep an eye on that and read some more of your work, do you have any social media or website or handles that folks can go to so that they can see when you publish more things? Yes. Um, my Instagram is Camila writes. So that's my first name and then writes as in writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and my website is Camila M That's very nice. And that, listeners, I will put that in the show notes with a little link so that'll make it very easy for you to go there. Well, thank you very much, Camila, for, for coming on the show today and giving us a little more about it's just dancing. Thank you. It's been such a pleasure speaking to you, Teresa. Likewise. Likewise.